The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We've got a lot of political development. So in studio, we're joined by, and I have to get this right, Minister for Public Expenditure, Pascal Donoghue. For years, we've called you Minister for Finance. Your first week in the job. So how are things going, first of all? Uh, things are going well. Uh, it's my first full working week in the job. And uh, while I'm familiar with an awful lot of the issues, which I know will come on to now, uh, there's a lot going on. And I'm very eager to play my part now in the coming years in my new role. Now, Minister, first of all, let's just get to sort of the today's politics out of the way and then we're going to get into more meaty stuff about the health service and, and spending. Because I know you're taking a look at all these areas as, as you take over the mantle from your, your predecessor, uh, Michael McGrath. Damien English, I mean, we had Robert Troy. We had a slightly different thing with Derek Leary. It wasn't about filling out forms. But we have had this whole thing of SIPO and filling out declarations properly. The amazing thing about all of this is this was all in the news a few months ago. Every politician of every stripe across the doll, I don't know yourself or others, everyone said, OK, you know, you ma- he made a mistake. We'll all have a fresh look at our forms, make sure everything's in there. Where, where was Damien English when that happened, surely? And this is why Damien made the decision to resign this morning. Uh, this is why the decision uh, was made by the Taoiseach, obviously, to accept his resignation. Uh, and uh, I have a very, very high recognition of how hard Damien has worked as a TD and as a minister. Uh, but this is something that should have been declared. And he would have been sitting around during the whole Robert Troy controversy. Surely he would have said, let me go back and make sure mine are all tied down. And you wouldn't have thought, wouldn't you have thought? Yourself? And maybe this is one of the ingredients by uh, that led Damien to decide that the best thing for him to do was to resign uh, quickly and to recognise what had happened. Uh, he has said himself uh, uh, that this is a, a requirement sh- that should have been met and uh, he resigned in recognition of the seriousness of the issue. How disappointed were you, were you yourself? You know, this is in the Fine Gael party. It's one of your own that has, has made the mess up here. You must have been disappointing. I'm dis- disappointed on two counts. Of course, I'm disappointed that the correct information was not supplied at the right point. Um, I also know how hard Damien has worked and does work uh, as a minister, as a TD, I've known him for many, many years, um, and I'm. Uh, it's a pity to see that kind of work end in this way. But the key thing is, is that uh, this is a requirement that should have been fulfilled. It should have been met, and Damien has recognised that by resigning himself. You think there's a cultural thing with here, and and then it's politicians as a as a profession, I suppose, of just not taking these forms seriously enough like the rest of us have to do when we do our annual tax return and a whole range of other state forms. Is this the issue? And I know it's not party, but just politicians seem to be rather blasé about filling these things out. Uh, I don't think such a culture is there. If there was uh, an impression of it not being taken seriously or, God forbid, impunity, then Damien uh, uh, would still be in office. He's decided to resign uh, because we have to meet and we should meet exactly the same standards as everybody else. Uh, and when issues develop that are as serious as this in relation to a property, that has to be then recognised by action that is taken, which has happened. Because there's somebody out there, probably a few people out there in me, who didn't get a house because he filled this form incorrectly. That That's theoretically possible, well, at I the understand, very least. I understand this is about the granting of planning permission, uh, so therefore you are correct. Uh, given the uh, limitations that are there in terms of the granting of planning permission. Uh, uh, But this is a really serious issue and as highly and as much as I recognise the work that Damien has done, I equally recognise that the appropriate action to take is to recognise the seriousness of this matter 
and to offer his resignation to the Taoiseach. Do you think we need to concentrate minds a little bit more, concentrate political minds? The sanction here is, yes, he loses his ministerial role. That is a sanction. He's doing it voluntarily. But a lot of people would say it needs to be tougher, possibly losing of a seat, maybe even a financial fine. Like, how, how do we concentrate minds where the politicians say, well, at worst, I'll be out of office for a year or two and I can come back in like Derek Leary did, admittedly in another context. So should we not be tougher if these if this if this just drips and drips and drips and there's forms and SIPO constantly re-emphasising the message? Do we need to toughen it up and say, no, the sanctions should be more? Well, I believe the forfeiture of ministerial office and the resignation from it is a, uh, a really big recognition of the seriousness of the matter. Um, I don't believe it should go beyond the resignation of a dull seat. Uh, I do believe those who have... Financial fine? Penalty? Uh, I, I, well... But I, I mean, it's, I, I, it's I, what the rest of us have to put up with, right? Uh, but on the other hand, what he is doing is resigning from a job, uh, resigning from an office that is very important within our state that would have meant an awful lot to him in terms of the point regarding your membership of Dáil Éireann. Uh, my own view is the... Really, the only people who should determine whether you're in Dáil Éireann or not are the electorate. And they decide if they want you to represent them or not. Uh, and what Damien has done in uh, forfeiting and in resigning from office that really matters to him is recognising the seriousness of what has happened. Um, who should we get in next? Or what, 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 any thought being given to that no, yet? Or that, that's, are the party leaders going to look at this? Or? That's a matter for the Taoiseach. And it's a matter for him to decide upon. It's not something that I, I'm afraid I'd be able to offer a view on. No, and, and the Ditch website, I mean, they've now claimed two scalps. I mean, it's a strange one, isn't it, that this one particular media outlet has has, has <coughs> ping, fingered two politicians and both have had to resign. Uh, I would prefer just to focus on the fact mm. that there are standards that we have to meet. And it's up to... Uh, any journalistic uh, organisation, you, any of your colleagues to decide sure. what you form a view on, um, uh, why it is written or the nature of it. It's a matter for journalists and uh, we operate in a free society that has uh, many different important consequences. The key thing I want to recognise as a politician is there are particular st- standards, particularly when it comes to planning uh, and uh, that need to be met. This, in this case, it wasn't met. And Damien has recognised that. Because I, I think the public's patience on this is kind of running low. I think if there's a third one, <laughs> I think I think that the reception would be would be pretty um, hostile, to put it mildly. But anyway, we we'll leave Damien English for the moment, Minister, because we want to talk about other issues, which is in your new portfolio, health spending. It's a massive part of public expenditure generally. It's one of the top two spending categories. Here we are in January. We do spend a reasonable amount on health, but we're not at the top of the table. I see, based on percentage of GDP, Germany are ahead of us, France are ahead of us, the UK are ahead of us. We're not at the bottom either. We're towards the top um, quartile. But then we get such bad outcomes. So a lot of people are trying to say, big numbers, bad outcomes. How can we put those together? Have you any theories yourself, just as someone who's been watching this over the years? Well, it's worth noting two points about those figures. The first one is, as many of the other countries that are spending an awful lot more and even more of us on our health services are experiencing the same challenges that we are at the moment because unfortunately the nature of sickness given where we are in the immediate aftermath of COVID-19 has been a broad pandemic is placing new demands upon our health service. The second point I would say though is I would respectfully make a different point to you in relation to outcomes. 
So let me be clear what is happening in our emergency departments at the moment. It's not something that's acceptable. It's something that I believe we will be able to improve. But there are many other health outcomes that do really matter as well uh, that are not ones that we think of immediately when we're thinking of what happens in emergency departments. Your ability to recover from getting serious cancer here in Ireland, your ability to recover if you get a stroke, the longevity of life and life expectancy are all things that in Ireland over the last number of years, year by year, have improved and our health service is fundamental to them. But that being said, where we are with outcomes in emergency departments for January again is clearly something we have to do better on. Yeah, because we've had a we've had a procession of consultants, A&E specialists coming on to us here in the programme who say we simply do not have enough beds per head of population. Right. So, so again, if you look, Germany's ahead of us, France is ahead of us. We're down in the lower this per beds per thousand people. The UK is bad as well. Not that that necessarily much sucker for us over on this side of the Irish Sea. So that particular piece the number of beds. Yes, we have better outcomes for cancer treatment. Is that the piece that you want to correct now is just to lift that number of beds per head of population up well, and concentrate on that segment? It's already government policy that we would want to increase the number of beds in our health service. We've all added just over 950 new beds to our health service uh, over the last number of years. And during that time period, we now have 17,000 more people, uh, nurses, doctors, consultants and management because uh, that is needed to working in our health service, much some of which was happening before COVID hit, but a much greater need for that developed during COVID. Overall, what I want to do is make sure the targets that we have for delivering increased bed capacity are delivered. Um, but beyond all of that, um, where we are now is given the huge increase in expenditure in health in recent years, is how we can support our nurses and our doctors with the right changes in practice. Well, I was going to ask you about that, Minister. To make a difference. We, we've gone from, I think it's 18 billion annually to about, are we about 27, 28 billion somewhere so, in that neck of the so woods? So the exact figures are in 2015, it was 13.3 billion euro. In 2023, it's now 24 billion euro. Yeah. So it's an increase of 10.7 billion yeah. euro. So, so I and, suppose, and what, what do you, in other, words, in other words, you've no issue with the level of spending increasing. We're, we're, they're both undeniable figures. It's increasing. So are we not spending it in the right areas? Are we not husbanding and managing the resources properly? Are we not getting the right things back out? Just like you've been around the cabinet table a good few years now. What, what, what's your own sense so, of that? So I, I believe you can't credibly talk uh, about the need for serious change and further reform unless you can make the case that you've been increasing the amount of investment in your health services in the first place. And if I'm, when I was in this studio in 2016 and 2017, I think it would have been very difficult to make the case for some other things that we will need to do while we're not opening up more beds, while we're not putting in place the increases that we now have done. And as I look at where we are at the moment, Uh, The two things we need to do more of when we have overcome the very difficult weeks that we're in at the moment is secondly, firstly, look at how with the increased capacity that we do have, that we look at how groups of hospitals operate as opposed to single hospitals. And then secondly, in particular, the longstanding issue of the status of the new contract for consultants and the role that could play in allowing us to make better use 
of the capacity that we're adding to our health service at the moment is something I really hope we can so make further I'm progress on. Not putting words Minister in your Stephen mouth, you're, you're essentially saying that the, the, the resources are have been put in place, but we haven't got the full fullest return from those resources. So is that what, fair? Uh, so what I would argue is that we have increased expenditure. The benefit from that increased expenditure is not what we would want. Mainly, this isn't an excuse, but it is a, rash, a justification for some of us or an explanation for some of it, I should say, because of the impact that COVID and the changed nature of sickness is now having on us. So what we need to do, and this is the case that Minister Stephen Donnelly makes, is that as we continue with the plans that we have to add capacity to build more beds, like, for example, in the Matter Hospital in Eccles Street, the new block of beds that has been complete there at the moment, that we then work with the health service, work with our uh, colleagues in the HSE to look at how we can have even better use of capacity that will increase. But in terms of your personal priority as Minister, you're coming to this area, you're not entirely new to the area. You've obviously you've been at Cabinet, you've seen the papers going through, you've, you've been around a while at this stage. Is your priority to get more for the money, stretching the money further? Is it reorganising the structures within the health service? And I understand you, there's a Minister for Health as well, so you don't have complete unconstrained say in this. But just as a Cabinet member, which one of those levers do you think would be most so usefully pulled? I would prioritise two. Uh, number one, it's firstly delivering uh, the plans that we have for increased bed capacity. And then number two, again, it's working with the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, regarding where we are with issues such as the uh, new contract for consultants and such as how we can roster the use of services more effectively between hospitals. They're the two areas the I two. would prioritise okay. for now. Well, I'm glad you're, you're, you're being realistic about what you can do. You know, we sometimes have ministers saying they're going to do this and this and this. And it's a, so that's, that's, that's a manageable workload. In terms of what's going to happen in February, we all had this war in Ukraine. It's almost a year. It, it's ironic that you're in here a year on from it or almost a year. There was a whole set of measures brought in, not just in the budget, to deal with the higher cost of fuel, um, electricity, you know, and we have the three payments of so the 200 euros to do. The one that a lot of people are watching is the whole area of excise. There was um, a reduction given the haulage industry in particular, watching that motorists, people who commute, people who drive for their job. The minister, um, Eamon Ryan, has told us that he thinks it's to be phased out. W- what's your own view? So this, uh, are, these are reductions that I brought in and uh, the Minister for Finance, Michael McGrath, uh, will make a recommendation in relation to their future there at the end of February and I'll work with him in this uh, but support the recommendation that he makes very, very generally. Um, if we do get to a point that we see a sustained improvement in the pricing of different fuel forms and energy, then I think it does make sense um, that the tax reductions that we put in in the past when the price of fuel was a lot higher than it may be now or maybe in the future, that we do consider what we're going to do there. Because this is first and foremost the money of your listeners. And if uh, your listeners, I think, would want their money used to be reduced, the price of fuel, when it was at a very high level um, in last April, if the price of fuel or energy is coming down, the question is whether it's good use of our money to take it down even lower. It's a little early at the moment. It sounds like you're hinting that you'd lean towards ending it. I'm not, again, not putting words in your mouth, but that's what I'm picking up from your answer. Uh, I, I, um, uh, I'll form a full view in relation to this and a final view in relation to when we move into February. Uh, for me, it's too early to be clear on that now. 
what I have seen happen is week by week, the price of different forms of energy or fuel can go up and down. It's very sustainably in, the, in exactly the same place. And what Minister McGrath has said is that we'll consider all this in the round in a number of weeks' time. And I think that's the right stance to take. We've really important measures in relation to expenditure and taxation that are going to be permanent. We've reduced the cost of childcare. We've increased the amount of your money you can keep without paying the higher rate of income tax. Could and to avoid a cliff edge, could you sort of tear it down then? I mean, you'd have to go from one to nothing. So you can you, you have that option, don't you, to come there, down? There are many different options in relation to it, but all of them will still cost money. Because in terms of how our budget is put together, the budget is put together on the basis of them all coming to an end from the end of February, I think, across March. So therefore, if the government makes a decision to extend them any further, that has a big impact then on the use of the taxpayers' money. Now, on taxpayers' money, a lot of it is also paid by companies. And that's a fascinating area. I know that you would have released your end of year position for the department um, about, about a week ago now. Yeah. Would that be your last one of your last publications you put out? Very interesting. Great to have a surplus of five billion. It's better to have it than not have it. I think we'll all agree on that. But it was a little bit concerning, the corporation tax piece. Yes, it's surging. Again, it's what you might call loosely a first world problem to have. And it's probably better off in the Irish Exchequer than other competing countries. But I noticed a little bit of a downturn in December. I think it was about 300 million off Mm -hmm. on the previous December. So like a lot of graphs, it depends where you come in. But if you come in towards that end period, there was a softening of those corporation tax receipts. Do you think from what you can say, and maybe you don't know, but is that just a one off thing in December? Or do you expect things that softening trend to sort of continue on? So overall, if you look at the amount of money that we collect in corporate tax, it's increased by nearly €10 billion Euro over the last number of years. And I know the Minister for Finance, Minister McGrath, will consider really carefully regarding how he continues to respond back to that in the time ahead. But the view that each of us have taken together uh, over the last time is that corporate tax and the receipts that you collect from it they're really valuable, they really do help, but they can change so quickly. And are they changing? Does so that, to answer your question yeah. about December, I don't believe December is a sign of what you could yet call a softening. And the reason for that is if I look at the year as a whole, corporate tax receipts were up yet again for the year overall. So a figure in relation to December could be caused by something being paid in November rather than in December or could be collected in January rather than it was in December. That can happen. But your overall point regarding the use of corporate tax um, is one that as Minister for Public Expenditure, I'll have a role in, in being careful about the level of spending that we have in the future. And I know it's a difficult argument to make regarding why we shouldn't spend money, given all of the needs that you've just raised with me and your listeners are all aware of. But this is because that if at any point in the future, this money were not to be available to us. If we're depending on it for day-to-day spending, we could get into trouble that's all too familiar. And it can happen very quickly as we found out in the crash of 2008. So you don't get a, 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 you don't get an email saying this is going to happen. It, it, it can be very sudden because well, it's a monthly figure. right? And particularly with corporate tax. Well, I have every reason to believe that so much of what we've collected recently, uh, we can expect to retain most of that in the time ahead. A decision by one company, a decision by two companies could have a really big effect on how much tax we are collecting 
and as a result of that, how much we might spend in the future. So do you, do you start a process now of looking at other tax head, headings saying, look, we need to be even more prudent. This could be trending the wrong way. We need to start just gradually, not necessarily dramatically, kind of um, you know, maximising other sources as we move along to tilt that balance a bit more. Well, I'm sure Minister McGrath will... Nobody likes to pay tax, so I understand no, but that. I'm but I'm sure Minister McGrath will can continue to consider this matter as we do the budget in, in, uh, uh, for 2024. But, but very broadly, what we have done is that, you know, we were very careful about the degree to which we have changed all of our taxes in recent years, which is one of the reasons why it's not just corporate tax that has increased, it's all of our tax heads that have increased. We've never collected more tax than we are at the moment. Some of these big corporations will have workers that are paying income tax, so it's not just one heading that's vulnerable, it's others. And then in, in line with that then, they will then spend the money which we then collect in VAT and excise. And I think we would be in a very vulnerable position if you were saying to me here today that we've just collected 10 billion euro more in the last few years and we have now spent all of that 10 billion euro and we rely on that to fund the things our country needs day by day. We didn't do that. I know it's a difficult argument to make, but it's one of the reasons why, for example, we could do everything we did on COVID and then go back to a degree of more normal spending. Unfortunately, Minister, we have to leave it there. We got through a lot of issues. Good luck in your new role. You're a first week in. It has been a bumpy one, but an interesting one nevertheless. And that is Pascal Dunner, who is the Minister for Public Expenditure. Of course, you knew him in his previous hat was on his head for finance. Thank you for joining us on The Hard Shoulder. Thank Thank you very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.